Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. Today we discuss the topic of gender-based violence and domestic violence, in particular against women, with Poland's intention to withdraw from the Istanbul Convention, which is a major piece of international legislation in support for the protection against uh, gender-based uh, violence. We are at a timely moment to discuss not only these concepts and how they are also perceived in Central Europe, but also the bigger concept of human security, for which Visegrad Insight recently had a special report. With me today are two guests, Magda Jakubowska, Vice President of the Respublika Foundation, and Kerry Longhurst, Jamonet Professor of Collegium Civitas, and one of the co-authors of the Human Security Report. Magda, can you tell me what is happening right at the moment with the Istanbul Convention? There's been some news that uh, while Poland is threatening to withdraw from this convention. For our listeners, can you say something about the significance of this convention and what are the potential risks of, of Poland withdrawing? Yes, uh, so Poland has just announced that it is planning to withdraw. At least it's taking some measures to um, to withdraw from the convention. Uh, to some extent, it's, it sees um, the need to that uh, because it uh, uh, the government claims that the convention is against uh, the traditional role of a family in uh, in our Polish society. However, um, uh, with this withdrawal, it's nothing new. Uh, to some extent, uh, the convention has been ratified by Poland in just before the president, the f- previous presidential elections. Uh, so it was uh, ratified by um, um, President Komarowski, which was already an issue. Uh, b- just it happened just before the uh, elections uh, and the then opposition and now the government asked uh, Komorowski publicly not to do it. Um, well, he did. And uh, we are uh, one of the 34 countries that ratified the convention uh, out of 45 that uh, has been um, signing this uh, document. So um, the convention is... Uh, it's kind well it's of course a crucial document of uh, of the council of europe uh it uh, it is about uh, preventing and combating violence against women and domestic violence um it it gives a um, international level uh framework uh for legal prevention and legal actions um Taken to the all to all forms of violence, um, it gives a very specific tasks for governments to uh, to uh, to do and to uh, to to have a structure a structural uh, idea of uh, of changes uh, in the legal system or uh, in um, support uh, system for the victims. So it, um, it is 
very practical document. Uh, to some extent, um, the critics of the convention, um, especially in the country that uh, that Poland is often um, turning um, as an example, uh, in Bulgaria, uh, the critics say that uh, the the specific. Uh, um legal requirements of uh, of perpetrators being punished or or um some educational uh needs uh that the, well requirements from the side of the convention uh this is where um uh, problems arise and uh why uh this uh this convention is is being critical well criticized poland uh had some some uh um ideas to uh to to have their own critics but it never uh had been about the um it has it hasn't gone that far so at the beginning we only criticized some legal uh issues uh, with the convention nowadays this is very much about the um the way um the convention is uh um is defining f- family marriage Partner, well, partnerships, partner relationships, uh, and uh, and of course education and the um, of course the, the the persona non grata of Polish politics, which is gender, mm-hmm. uh, gender ideology, as it's called in Polish, uh, in Poland, and uh, and this is where um, uh, the government sees the need to withdraw from uh, from the document mm-hmm. from signing the document so maybe then some of the the criticisms are, are maybe less about the actual contents which are quite important from from the point of view of of protecting women uh, but also protecting against domestic violence but it's it has to do more about family as you say maybe position of women within society as well is that what i understand well um so uh of course in polish uh, constitution the the um, there is uh this um the dependence uh, there is no dependence of women and and men uh, it is said that they are equal uh in all rights uh, and etc but uh to be true uh, uh like this is not exactly the case and the convention is not uh, focusing on um on or the the convention is focusing on saying that women are not in a privileged or in uh, uh in an equal situation towards mm-hmm. men but they are uh, unequal they are uh, to some extent uh um the culture uh, allows to women to to be dependent to 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 men uh or um, 
like the violence against them. Yes, um, maybe this is a good point uh, to to turn to Kerry because it, it seems like the convention is there because when we're talking about the reality of women in society, we are talking about quite a different reality from what maybe uh, the, the the legal situation prescribes. And Kerry, I wanted to ask you more about your recent work for a Visegrad Inside report on on human security. So you look. Um, in a way at, at the situation of, of, well, to some extent gender, but also domestic violence in Central Europe, looking into some trends. Um, could you maybe describe or sketch us um, a, a picture of, of, of what is coming out in, in terms of recent trends there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, basically what their report or this element of the report tried to do was to bring together or juxtapose the theory or the theme of human security and gender-based violence in all of its variations. Um, Human security is what kind of began as an academic concept, but it also is related to development, transitions, and and all of these kind of issues. And basically, human security implies that when we think about security and well-being of society, that we should think about the individual. And of course, the welfare and safety of individual and particularly girls and women is directly impacted upon um, by the persistence of gender-based violence. And Central Europe, um, not just Poland, but I'd say especially Poland is, a, is an interesting example where you see um, gender-based violence um, existing, but perhaps, you know, importantly, not being reported, not being discussed because of, as how Magda described, these prevailing social and cultural norms in Poland, which tend to um, exacerbate the problem of gender-based violence in the sense that, as I mentioned, it's simply not spoken about or even recognized as being a problem as it is in some Western European countries. Yes, thank you. Um, could you say something maybe more about, about sort of human security and, and why it's important also as, as a concept in, in this context? What, what can it help maybe in terms of, of analysis or, or maybe also advocacy um, in, in sort of the political realm? The concept of human security, you mean? I didn't catch what you, what you were asking. Yes, the concept of human security. Yeah, sure. Well, as I mentioned, it's about refocusing how we think about security down to the level of the individual and the basic um, security of a girl or woman living in society. But as the research shows, and this is a consistent finding in UN and Council of Europe um, reporting, is of course the violence or the threat of violence uh, upon girls and women isn't just um, having an effect on on their lives and um, their security, but it impacts the wider family, the wider um, community, and and ultimately society and the security of states. So the implications are big and far-reaching. And it's also important to note that in countries like Poland, which are still, in my view, going through some processes of political and economic and social transition, that the persistence of gender-based violence is holding that back. And one of the clear uh, manifestations of that is, as you already mentioned, the fact that gender equality in Poland and other um, Central and Southeast European countries is really well below par 
um, trends and norms um, in, in Western European countries. Find the special report Human Security in Central Europe on our website www.visegradinsight.eu and don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. Well, and maybe in, in addressing this question, how important is, is the European level? So in the report I saw you refer to the notion of Europeanization. Um, and as Magda mentioned, the Istanbul Convention and, and the Council of Europe is important here. The EU probably also has a number of initiatives. Uh, so when looking at this difficult context for Central Europe, how what role does Europeanization play here? Hmm. I think that um, if you look back over the period of the 1990s and 2000s, we tended to assume that like in many um, enlargements, EU enlargement stories, that such violence was disappearing because countries were adopting more kind of superior um, European norms for these kind of issues. But I think what the report really confirms is that gender-based violence and similar social and human security related issues just simply were not part of the acquis communautaire. They were simply not part of that whole range of laws um, and standards and norms which were adopted. And, and subsequently, as a result of that, we find ourselves in 2020, where the situation hasn't really changed in Central Europe. Um, there was an assumption of a modernization but clearly that that simply hasn't happened because the EU um, didn't really impress upon soon-to-be member states of the need to to improve um, human security and to improve upon the way in which gender-based violence was dealt with. And as Magda mentioned at the very beginning, this is where the Istanbul Convention is really, really important um, because it does have this far-reaching competence and, and requires states to enact and make changes, but also show and verify that they've made those changes and that they are practicing what they've signed up to do. So really, it's the Istanbul Convention, which is um, the, the central kind of um, pole in all of this. And of course, the EU can kind of shore up support. But as we know, EU conditionality, once countries are inside the EU, isn't particularly strong, which is the case with gender-based violence as well. Thank you, Kerry. Um, Magda, I maybe want to turn back to you now. I, I mean, mm -hmm. Istanbul Convention is, is quite a uh, sort of a recent development that Poland wishes to withdraw from it. But I also want to ask you a bit about, well, another development uh, from the, the last couple of months, which has been COVID-19. And um, which, if we look at any newspaper um especially international ones, have shown some attention for, for the impact of COVID-19 on lockdown and, and by definition also on questions of domestic violence, and in particular, maybe the majority violence against women. Um, from, from your perspective, um, how, how significant an issue is, is this? So it's absolutely very significant. We can observe all over the world uh, where the lockdown uh, lockdowns were introduced, uh, a huge rise in domestic violence. This is, uh, of course, um, the issue of uh, of being socially uh, distant and and really locked at home. Um, this is the key reason for that. However, it shows a, it manifests a, 
um, an issue with social understanding of uh, of um, of equality of of democracy of of normals living you know and uh, in um, uh, in uh, as said we can observe uh, the huge issue with uh, with the number of cases but also uh, the problems of the system as such the system of support uh, helplines uh, and uh, and later legal support uh, from the from countries right and um, I must say that most of the countries did not pass the exam in in such case in in the case of COVID so many women were uh, uh, were subjected to domestic violence and uh, the support they received was was really minor of course the situation of the lockdown didn't uh, help that many people were uh, um, were engaged into fighting covid rather than and 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 giving uh, psychological help to 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 those who are uh, ill rather than uh than staying on the you know on on uh, on helplines for for women uh also many of the shelters or uh prisons were emptied uh, so many of the perpetrators went out from from the from prison because these were the 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 typical places where where COVID was spreading, uh, of course, more uh, in a more uh, um, cases, right, and faster. So, um, um, the the convention, the Istanbul Convention, gives. Uh, uh, countries uh, that signed and ratified the convention very specific uh, tasks to 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 do and uh, one of them is uh, having the, those helplines shelters and specific fast track uh, for uh, legal um, cases and matters uh, introduced to court against uh, um perpetrators but uh, um it is also Kerry mentioned the reporting part from um uh, of course the the convention uh, uh is pushing countries to 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 report to uh, to the council as uh, um you know every year and and uh, or even uh, more often uh on how much it uh, it did um how much the tasks are are performed however it's not that uh, obvious that countries do it and and Poland um is is lagging behind with reporting truly Mm-hmm. So it sounds like like underreporting is is uh, is is a reality, and and maybe also the scale of the situation is is still underappreciated. And I think in this context, uh, maybe I wanted to get back to to Kerry as well for for sort of more the final part in 
in looking forward and what to expect as well in the next couple of years in terms of trends and, and developments. And Kerry, I know you've spent some time in the report um, as well on human security thinking about this. Uh, is there is there a couple of points maybe there you can raise and then I'll ask Magda as well for I, some input. I yes. just wanted to add that Kerry spent uh, a, a, quite an important part of the report uh, on underreporting of cases of domestic violence and this is very important mm -hmm. part so if you could carry um uh, elaborate on that more that would be important yeah sure let's talk about that issue of underreporting i think at the very kind of header of that though basically is that there's a lack of um international but even european definitions of what gender based violence actually means i mean already in this discussion we've been using different terminology to try and describe this phenomenon that we're that we're dealing with so the fact that there are different fundamental definitions and terms um, different legal interpretations as to what this all um, implies is the kind of big scale problem and in large because of that indecisiveness of definition and legal interpretation it means that it definitely directly um, relates to the fact that that women or others affected by gender-based violence are simply don't feel entitled or often empowered or realize that they actually have been a victim. Um, so that's the kind of first point. The second point is that in many countries, and I think especially Central Europe and Southeastern Europe and Eastern Europe, there is this sense that domestic violence is just that, that it's something that takes place behind closed doors. And it's something that's almost perhaps natural, given, and I put that in inverted commas, given that many of these countries are lacking in gender equality, as we mentioned already, but also very kind of patriarchal structures. And all of that reinforces and amplifies the fact that, yes, indeed, as you said, Magda, there is this huge, massive level of underreporting. And it is, again, especially in those countries where perhaps the law enforcement um, agencies are not themselves educated or aware of the breadth, the depth and the extent as to what gender-based violence is. Um, in the report, I mentioned it, and there's plenty of evidence from the EU Council of Europe and the United Nations um, is the situation is that, as I mentioned already, women often don't know that they've been a victim of gender-based violence. There's an amount of shame attached to being a victim, but also the sense that if they do report it, they're afraid of retribution from the perpetrator and from perhaps the immediate family and community around them. There's also what what's in fact lacking in Central Europe is that often the children aren't protected. The perpetrator can be taken away from the immediate victim, but perhaps they still have access to the children and they can become victims of, of the kind of abuse that perhaps their mother had as well. So underreporting, just to kind of recap, is a big part of the problem, which stems, as I mentioned, from a lack of definition, common understanding and prescription as to what gender-based violence actually is. So if we couple all of these issues together with which, what sounds like maybe an obsession with the gender ideology, which has taken hold in Poland, um, what is to be expected from the, the next couple of years? I mean, what is the damage, for example, withdrawing from the Istanbul Convention, but also 
combined with this this maybe toxic uh, political environment where any discussion about gender-based violence, uh, violence, domestic violence, violence against women becomes very difficult. Maybe if if I say a, a few words about that, it is in my view it's a it's a culture war. As I said in the report, it's this clash between so-called traditional um, family-based values that many governments in Central Europe are peddling, and that really clashes with the more kind of, um, in my view, kind of modern liberal Western European norms um, on these particular issues. Um, perhaps just to mention as well, what the Istanbul Convention also requires of governments is not just big kind of shifts or reform in public policy to deal with this, um, and as well as a kind of cultural or normative shift. But it also implies that civil society groups and NGOs are also part of the implementation and verification of the provisions of the Istanbul Convention. And of course, as we know, governments like the you know, in, in Poland and elsewhere in this part of the world, they don't like civil society and they don't like NGOs and they don't want to see them having a role in scrutinizing, implementing and verifying um, things like the Istanbul Convention and everything it entails. So I hate to say this and it's very um, pessimistic, but I don't see um, much of a prospect of Poland re-engaging and taking the Istanbul um, Convention very seriously, which is a huge problem because what they're basically doing by talking about gender ideology is they're deflecting from the seriousness of gender-based violence and the fact that it is still very um, endemic within society in Central Europe and Poland in particular. So it's problematic and it's a pessimistic scenario, I believe. Magda, maybe you want to add something? Are you as pessimistic as Kerry? Uh, yes. So uh, I'm. Um, what what I wanted to 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 underline what what just to repeat what Kerry said. This is kind of endemic, kind of traditional role of uh, of of a wife of a mother in in Polish society. Um, it's not about religion. Um, it's just about tradition. So uh, the Istanbul Convention gave women in Poland some some options. Uh, while uh, withdrawing from it, uh, it will allow more uh, dependency and and kind of um, avoidance on 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 legal. Um, consequences for the uh for uh for those who who do the, the violence right uh, whatever the form is um and uh, but to me there is uh one more uh, very worrying uh sign uh that withdrawing that that Poland is withdrawing from an international agreement which uh, has been, you know, important, ratified, and and uh, and signed by multiple uh, Western partners, and uh, does this uh, again pessimistic uh, um, um, view is that you know 
this is the first one. Um, I wonder which are the next ones. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's not a bright note, but um, yeah. well, in any case, uh, thank you both for, for addressing this uh, subject. And uh, well, I recommend as well our listeners to, to take I, a look at the Human Security Report. Yes? I, I mean, if I can just add a few um, points to kind of back up what, what Magda says. There are far bigger real and... Um, consequences or ramifications of Poland even talking about withdrawing from the convention. As Magda said, this is a, um, a sizable and important international agreement which has far-reaching consequences for those countries that sign up, that ratify and eventually sign the document. And on a more than symbolic level, it definitely demonstrates that at least the, the current government and its supporters wish to firmly break with not just Western norms about gender-based violence, but the whole human rights implications of this. I mean, we have to situate gender-based violence also within a, a bigger and more you know, consequential human rights um, normative framework. So we shouldn't kind of just see this as between individual victims, but it's a much, much bigger story. I can also maybe add a few words about COVID. Um, again, plenty of research, and I mentioned it in the report, that um, the UN suggests that as well as the COVID pandemic, the, the resurgence, if you like, of gender-based violence is um, an unseen or a hidden pandemic kind of happening um, beneath our noses. Um, and linked to that, again, referring to research, what, what being at home, what being in lockdown has often meant is that women have had to, more than men, conform to gender, um, kind of traditional gender conformist roles. So they've had to continue work in some cases, but also play all the domestic roles as well. And we shouldn't forget that with the um, you know, d negative domestic fallout from COVID, um, the vast majority of women work in part-time or less than part-time jobs in the in the um, retail or in the hospitality sector and they're exactly the kind of job sectors which are going to be suffering and so whereas many women could have had some um, time outside of the house they're going to have even less chance of doing that because their jobs would have disappeared so again adding to a pessimistic scenario I'm afraid. Thank you Carrie and um, yes we'll, we'll try to make um, also links to relevant information available um, in the podcast episode so for listeners that, that do want to read more about this subject but um, thanks uh, to both of you Carrie Magda for, for taking the time. Thank you. And that's all for now. Subscribe to our podcast our weekly newsletter and daily Twitter feed for insights on Central Europe, from Central Europe.